Hi, everybody, and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and this is episode 42 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, head over to rvmiles.com slash podcast. You can also find RV Miles on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to keep up with Jason and I, we are over at ourwanderingfamily.com, and we are also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and YouTube. And hey, we are excited to welcome a new sponsor to the podcast. This episode is sponsored by Boondockers Welcome, built by RVers for RVers. Boondockers Welcome offers a unique and inspiring way to travel, connecting you, the RVer, with welcoming local hosts that have overnight RV parking to spare. Boondockers Welcome is built on the spirit that kindness and generosity abound. And can we say having experienced Boondockers Welcome firsthand, when they say kindness and generosity, they mean it. We have met individuals who have graciously welcomed us and our boys onto their land and offered us a night of peace and safety. It has definitely beat staying in a Walmart parking lot. We're so thrilled to have found this service. And and essentially what it is, is you can pay $30 for a year and then arrange as many stays as you'd like to pass the night with those who love the RV lifestyle as much as you do. And best of all, Boondockers Welcome is offering RV Miles listeners 10% off an annual guest privilege subscription with the coupon code RV Miles. That's all one word, RV Miles. And it's such a great deal to begin with. It's $30 a year. And the fact that you can now take an extra 10% off with the RV Miles coupon code is so cool. And people don't believe this, that it's just people that offer their land for free to for you to park on. And it kind of works like Airbnb. So you make a request for a an overnight or for several days or whatever it might be. And that landowner can deny or accept your request and each of you rate each other after it's all all over it's a it's a really great service it's safe for everybody and again it's just people out of the kindness of their own heart it might be an rver who's who's on vacation and they're letting you use their their parking spot where they normally put their rv or it might be just a farmer with a lot of land it's it's an excellent service. It is. And I'm really excited to have them as a sponsor for the next couple of weeks. So head over to the show notes where you can find more information as well as their website and the coupon code, which is 10% off a $30 annual guest privilege subscription. The coupon code is RV miles, all, all one word. word. And you can go to boondockerswelcome.com and enter it there. All right, let's do some news now. Do we have any news this week? We do have some news this week. So first of all, we wanted to talk about this issue that's going on at Bryce Canyon right now. There's an E. coli outbreak in the water supply at Bryce Canyon National Park. And the businesses in the surrounding area are really adamant. They're putting out press releases. They want you to know that they are not affected by this E. coli outbreak because the town of Bryce Canyon City does not use the same water supply as the national park. So if you're going to the national park, obviously there's going to be signs. There's, you're not going to be able to use the water supply in the national park, but you can still visit it. But if you are staying in a nearby local campground or if you're visiting some of the local restaurants, you can 
rest assured that you're not going to get E. coli. Do they have any idea where this came from or a timeline that they think it's going to take for them to kind of get the water under control? I have no idea. <laughs> but, All right, then. <laughs> the weird, that'd, be, that'd be something for you guys to go Google. The interesting this. thing is the National Park Service has not put out a press release on this. Oh, really? This is a press release from the businesses in the city of Bryce Canyon City. And there is no National Park Service press release. So, Well, this doesn't exactly... Well, you know, bode well for Bryce Canyon. I mean, I'm sure they don't want to be, you know, thrown out there that currently there's an E. coli yeah. issue in, with their water, although it's very nice to know. And I'm sure they are not being secretive about it yeah. inside the actual park. But it would be interesting to know how it started, if they have an idea and what their timeline is for it being rectified. The other thing I wanted to mention this week is we talked about this vehicle before, the new Winnebago, the 2019 Travato, it's the Class B RV van conversion. They've partnered with a company called Volta for the power system or, or an optional power system for this new uh, Travato. And a couple different RVs from other manufacturers also have this Volta power system. And why I wanted to mention it is Volta says that this system will have it's a lithium ion battery system, 10,000 watt hours of capacity. They're not putting a generator on board the Travato. And between the solar panels and the battery storage and the inverter, they're saying these, these 10,000 watt hour batteries, which isn't a ton of storage, but it's a decent amount and it's lithium. So you can wear it all the way down until it's done with traditional RV batteries. You can only wear them down to about 50% before you start actually damaging them. The lithium ion battery, you can wear it all the way down. So you get that full amount of power. But they're saying that that 10,000 watt hours can be charged in 90 minutes and that it will power the air conditioner on board the Travato. It's a smaller air conditioner, but it will power it overnight. That's awesome. Yeah. Could you imagine being out in some of these warmer places, especially in the Southwest right now, heading over to Death Valley, Joshua Tree, places like that, and having this option to boondock and have your air conditioner going at night while you're sleeping? Yeah, great deal. We got to get ourselves a class B. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, kids. <laughs> All right. So this, we didn't mention what this episode is about yet. So we are coming to you from Oklahoma City. We are still week. in OKC. We're going to be here for another week as well. And we're really loving exploring this area. It's a great area. I'm sure we're going to do an episode on it. We are going to talk this week about visiting state parks and all that entails. There's actually a lot of people out there that are nervous about visiting state parks. They only go to private campgrounds. They don't go to many federal or state park campgrounds because it's a little bit out of their element. The way you make reservations at state parks can be a little bit different from going to a private park. They use different terminology like permit. You have to have a permit, which is just a piece of paper that we're going to go through all that sort of stuff and explain why we love camping at state parks and all the sort of ins and outs that you can expect when you go to try to make reservations at state parks in the first segment. And then the second segment of the show, we're going to talk about some of our favorite state parks that we've visited in our travels. Yeah, that was a fun conversation to have with the kids earlier this week when we were putting this together to kind of go down memory lane of all the traveling we've done and then get everyone's input as to what they liked the best. We all had very different answers and have very different memories of our last two years on the road, almost two years on the road. 
All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll do the answer to last week's brain teaser. And then we'll talk about state parks. Be right back. All right, we're back and we have the answer to last week's brain teaser. It went like this. Can you find out the next digit in the following series? Zero, zero, one, three, two, six, three, nine, four, twelve, five. Do you have a guess? Are you looking at me? <laughs> Are you looking at me? Are you looking at me? I don't have a guess. No. This, I didn't take once the you time. once you figured it out, it's it's pretty simple and obvious. So it's actually two number series that are interchanged with each other. So if you go every other number, it goes zero, one, two, three, four, five. But that's not the series we want. We want the other series, <laughs> which is zero, <laughs> three, six, nine, twelve. And they're just series of 15. three. So 15 would be the next one. And we 15. got a lot of right answers on this we one. We did. People love number riddles and brain you, teasers. You not so much. Well, I think it's been, <laughs> no, I think it's been proven time and time again. Math is not our strong suit. So Speak for yourself. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, I think this podcast speaks for both of us if you listen to past episodes. <laughs> and the winner for this week is Walter Smith from New York who will receive a Not All Who Wander Are Lost t-shirt. And you could win one too if you get the answer right to this week's brain teaser, which we'll have at the end of the show. All right, let's talk about state parks. Let's do it. It's weird. You know, you wouldn't think that state parks would be this big different thing from visiting other campgrounds. Uh, but in a lot of ways, they can often tend to be. And I think that's part of what intimidates people sometimes from visiting state parks. We love private campgrounds. I mean, let's throw that out there before we get this whole thing started. But in my mind, a state park or a federal campground offers a little bit more of a chance to connect with nature without any frills attached. And often they're in great locations like like right next to big cities where you might not be able to find a private campground for an affordable price and the state park price might be affordable for you. I think two of our five that we're going to talk about later are butted that. up against yeah. yeah major cities. But there are a lot of drawbacks to state parks as well. And I think that's another reason why people don't consider them as an option sometimes. So we're going to go through some of the positives and negatives of visiting state parks and some of the different things that you might want to think about when you're looking for state parks on your journey. The first thing I want to mention, let's let's start with the positives, the benefits of visiting state parks is that they are, as Abby said, often in just beautiful locations, sometimes even national park level locations, mm -hmm. you know, and you're often inside. So you can just walk from your RV to a trail or to a lake, get on a boat, whatever, and, and visit these state parks. There are some state parks like the Big Bend Ranch State Park in Texas, which is essentially right next to Big Bend National Park and is almost an extension of it. Another great example of that is Prophetstown in Lafayette, Indiana. 
They have a beautiful state park there, gorgeous facilities, and several things to do inside the park. Now, you're going to pay there a entrance fee, but they have a water park. They have a farm museum. They have so much that you can do inside the park that relates to the surrounding area, to the nature in that part of Indiana. And it wasn't cheap. We stayed there just one night passing through on our way to Chicago, but it was a beautiful state park that you could go to and not have to actually leave the area. You could have a nice extended weekend there and have plenty to do. The sites themselves in state parks are often way more spacious than you're going to get at a private park in in a similar area. You'll often have a lot more room on your site. That's not always true. There are some places, uh, for instance, we stayed at the Illinois Beach State Park in Illinois, which was sort of one of our least favorite state parks. Yeah, down there at the bottom for sure. And the sites are very close to each other there. There's even the section that we actually stayed in because the whole park was pretty flooded. They just have a giant parking lot type area. We just stayed in a parking lot (laughs) where there are electrical hookups all around it. But you you're if you're in a class A or other sort of big RV, you're just staying on a giant parking lot and there's RVs right next to you. That was one of the more surprising on my lower list parks because prior to us staying there, we had heard a lot of really good things and we were excited. It's on the lake. Again, it's a wonderful location. It's close to Chicago. It's on the lakefront so you can walk over to the beach, but the campground itself isn't in the greatest shape. It floods. The sites aren't level. They're muddy. And we had one of those experiences where you walk into the bathhouse and you turn around and you walk right back out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that can be a drawback. (laughs) That's a drawback. But we have found, you know, I think people have this impression that, that state parks are often not very well maintained, but we have found the majority of them are, are decently maintained. Some are exceptionally maintained. Yes. Yeah. Some states spend a good, decent amount of money and it is, no relation to the amount of money that you spend on the park. Some of the cheapest state parks that we've stayed in have been some of the nicest ones. You can stay in any New Mexico state park for $14 a night. Yeah. And they're, they're as a group, the best we've been to. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can get these state parks often for a very good price, especially if you don't care so much about hookups um, or if you're okay with just doing water and electric or just electric. You can often camp in state parks very cheaply. That's not always true, but it's most often cheaper than private parks nearby. Yeah, and a lot of state parks as well will offer, if you are a resident of that state, there will be a discount for you to stay in that park to keep your money in your state. But they will also offer discounts for veterans, those with disabilities. So there's a lot of ways that the parks can be even more affordable than they already are. And I would really like to see the state parks actually expand that even more in the ways that the national park, the federal parks have to offer more discounts and ways to get more people into their space and into their parks. The flip side of that, and let's get into the drawbacks here a little bit now, is that you're not going to find a lot of other types of discounts 
for state parks. You're not going to find very often weekly discounts. You're not going to find, you know, a Passport America or Good Sam discount, any of that sort of thing. And often those those discounts for the disabled or whatever it might be might only be available for residents of that state. And if you're traveling out of town, of course, that is not going to apply to you. So that can be an issue. And state parks can sometimes be a lot more expensive than you would expect them to be if you're an out-of-state resident. Because often you're required to pay an entrance fee on top of the camping fee. So it's something you really have to look closely at because they'll list the camping price and you'll say, okay, that's 25 bucks a night. That's great. I can afford that. And then, and then you won't notice until you arrive that there's an additional $12 a night fee. And that's happened to us entering the park. Yeah. Yeah, That Indiana park I was just talking about earlier, the entrance fee caught us off guard and we were in a position where it was an overnight stay for we us. We just wanted one. There was just yeah, a we stop. we needed to, to stop. It's just a spot to stop for the night and we ended up spending $43 on it. Yeah, I was not a happy camper. Yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally. So it can vary a lot depending on the state. Wisconsin State Parks, it's the same way. A lot of these states have an annual pass for their entrance fee. So you can pay, I think in Wisconsin, you pay $70 a year and that covers your entrance fee in its entirety. So you can, if you're going to camp a lot in Wisconsin, you can pay that $70 and that color covers your every night entrance fee. And then you just pay the camping on top of that. But most people aren't camping enough in one individual state, unless it's their home state or a nearby state to do that. So yeah. you really want to watch out for that. And something too, to think about with state parks is there's going to be a time limit of about two weeks, 14 days that you can stay. If you are someone who is wanting to do a monthly rental, a summer rental, or a longer spot, you're going to want to go ahead and stick with the privates because state parks are not going to give you that option. You're going to have to have two weeks in. And then before you can come back in, there's going to have to be a span of 30 days for us because we full-time travel. That's usually not an issue. We don't mind staying somewhere for two weeks and then moving on to another state or federal park in the area. But that is something to consider if you are an incredibly slow traveler, meaning you like to sit in one place for a month or longer, then state parks may be difficult for you because you're only going to get a 14 day window. And those monthly and weekly rates are usually going to be much cheaper. So when people ask, are state parks cheaper or are private parks cheaper? It depends. If you're going to spend a monthly rate somewhere, that's always going to be cheaper. Mm than if you were to pay a nightly rate somewhere. And that's often all you're going to get out of a state park is a nightly rate. But usually the nightly rate at a state park is cheaper than any private park nearby. Something else that people might consider a con. Again, I think a lot of this depends on the kind of traveler you are. But some state parks in certain windows of the year only do walk up You cannot make the online reservation. So if you are someone who likes to travel and have your parks and your stays booked out for the entirety and you want to do it three, four, five, six months in advance, then again, you may not be able to do that with the state park because it may fall in the window where they're only accepting walk-up reservations. This is generally, though, during the off-season. So 
the possibility of you not getting a space is usually very, very slim. It's usually reduced. However, there there have been some challenges to that for us Mm -hmm. where we've gone to a state park. We see, oh, they have 60 sites with electric and they're all walk up right now. So we think there's going to be no issue getting a spot. And then you get there and they only have certain loops open and they've closed off a bunch of loops and the the one or two loops they have open are pretty much full. So it's something you really got to be careful about. In so much that we have learned that it's best maybe to even call that park if you Mm -hmm. can, if you can find a number and give them a call and say, hey, we noticed you're doing walk up right now. We're looking to come in Thursday or Friday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. Can you tell us what are our shots of getting or can you just give us can you vague book us and tell us what you think we might be able to do? Because one of the things I've noticed with some of these websites is communication isn't the greatest. We have shown up as well, as Jason had said, where they've closed off loops. We have also shown up to find out that there was no hot water. Yeah. That no, just no, happened to us in New Mexico. It just, happened to, uh, it just happened to us in New Mexico. And I even checked on that website. They have notifications of, you know, different alerts that are happening. And there were alerts. There were alerts that, you know, this... This area is closed off. This trail isn't is not operable right now. And they didn't list on the, these alerts that the hot water was out. Mm-hmm. And that is probably one of those parks I would put way down at the yeah. bottom of my least favorite, not just because of the hot water issue, but that was another one of those sites where almost every site was downhill. And I don't know how you would ever get your rig jacked up enough yeah. to be level. In that park. I won't name that park right now. I'll save that for another episode. <laughs> so along with the hot water, the, the reason the hot water is such an issue, and people will often ask if if we're talking about this in a Facebook group or whatever, why do we care so much about the showers? Why don't people just use the showers in their RV? And one of the biggest drawbacks of visiting a state park is almost always there is no sewer connection. You can usually count on some combination of water and electricity, whether it's 50 amp or 30, usually it's going to be 30 amp. Sometimes you might have to fill your water up at a a filling station somewhere, but you are almost never going to have sewer at a state park. So the biggest thing that fills your water tank up is showers that along with the toilet. So people use the bathhouse at state parks more than they might at a private park where they're hooked up to sewer. And the quality of that bathroom experience can drastically affect your visit to the state park. Yes, I can, <laughs> especially if you're going to be there for yeah. a long period of time. With that said, we're really avid campers on the state and federal level. And even with these if we want to call them cons, we can, even with these challenges that we have mentioned, we will continue to be state and federal campers. The environment is so fantastic. The people we have met are so kind. And it's just a really enjoyable way, I think, to get to know that state that you're staying in, especially if you are visiting that state for the first time. You will often find a small little visitor center, maybe a small little museum that goes with the state park. 
And then you get to kind of interact with that state and with its natural environment. I think, personally speaking, a lot more than you do on the private campground level. Totally agree. Which is why we love them. We we spend almost the entirety of our time in state and federal parks, probably split 50-50 between mm-hmm. the two. A few other cons I want to mention. One going along with the the difficulty in reservation, whether there's whether it's just walk-up season or not, is that some state parks use Reserve America, which is the federal reservation system. Some of them use Re- Reserve America. Some of them use like a private branded version of Reserve America where it's not listed on the main Reserve America website. So you have to go to the state park website and then find it there. And some state parks have an issue where people go on the day that the sites are released for the year and they just book them up solid. And it can be really hard to get certain of the most popular state parks spots during the busy season because mainly it has to do with the fact that usually the cancellation fee is so cheap that people don't care. They just think, okay, the, you know, it's January 1st. They're going to release all the summer dates today. I'm going to go in and book up as many as I can, and then I'll just figure it out later. Yeah. And we've talked about this problem on a past podcast episode Mm -hmm. before because it really is a problem and it makes it difficult for the rest of us who want to enjoy this state park. I think that that is why we're starting to see across the board all year long, a certain number of sites being held by the parks as first come first served. Yeah, They're not bookable at all. And so I think that this is their way of trying to combat this trend of booking everything up months in advance and then having nothing for anyone else. We're also seeing states like Michigan who has introduced a, a fee, a cancellation fee that is progressive. It changes over time. So the, the closer you get to your day, the higher the cancellation fee goes. And that's sort of meant to get people to not, you know, participate in this thing where they book them all up. Yeah. And of course, life happens and things happen and you're unable to make that trip. And that is a real disappointment for everyone. And I think we all understand how life works. I think the hope is, is that as these first of the year dates for reserving start to open up in 2019, that as we get on there, we just think really hard about if we take this weekend and we take every single weekend in June and then into July are we going to use it? And if we don't, are we keeping someone else from being able to have an experience, which I clearly enjoy because I'm sitting here booking six or seven weekends. (laughs) So I must love this space. Am I taking that away from someone else? Am I realistically going to go to this state park for seven weekends in a row without any interruptions whatsoever? Just some food for thought, especially for those of us who travel around full time and are starting to find it getting a little bit harder. I don't want to call it a game, but in a way, the game is starting to get harder and you're having to arrive sooner and book earlier. And I think that takes away some of the fun of camping and traveling and the anticipation of the unexpected. Because you've been expecting it for six or seven months because you booked it back in January, (laughs) you know. (laughs) We drive a 37-foot bus. 
we tow a 17-foot minivan behind it. One of the things we often see in the Facebook groups when people are talking about getting a new RV is they're really concerned about the length of it and being able to get camping spots. And it is true that many parks in the state and federal system have some shorter campsites that you can't fit in if you're over a certain size. People often say there's like a specific number, like 35 feet that you have to stay under. We haven't had an issue at state parks at all. Maybe there's a few sites that are too small for us, but we really have not had an issue at state parks. Federal parks, we've been able to stay at most of the ones we want to stay at, but they do have less sites that we can fit in. But it is less of an issue at state parks than at federal, I think, for sure. I would agree with that 100%. Another thing to really pay attention to when you stay at a state park, especially one of those that is by a big city and you want to go out and explore, is a lot of them lock the gates at a certain time and you cannot get back in. It's usually going to be like 10 o'clock, but that's, you know, if you want to go see a show or a concert or something, that's not going to help you. You want to go out to a bar or something like that you got to be back in that state park before 10 o'clock or whatever it might be. So you really need to check with that park. Some parks don't lock the gate. Some give you a gate code. We went to one actually that closed the gates at six o'clock. I was just about to say that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But they did give you a gate code so you could get back in. But had we not arrived on that first night before six o'clock, I don't know what we would have done. I don't either. We had no way to know in advance. Yeah. Who would you have talked to? I mean, I think that... (laughs) I think that for me is the biggest thing about state parks is that sometimes I think the communication with the camper and the campsite campground could be a little bit better. It's it's a customer service thing. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with a government agency and need you say any (laughs) more. I think you've just said it all. (laughs) Often the camp hosts are super nice and very accommodating. Sometimes there can be some issues with A, the communication, and B, just the way that you interact with the employees that work at some of these state parks. I see you looking at me. I'm remembering that. Some of them are wonderful. (laughs) Or some rub Jason the wrong way and they have a few words. Yes. Where's your permit? (laughs) Or no, no. What did they say? He said, you planning on paying? Yeah. (laughs) No, we were thinking we'd just stay here. Is that an issue? (laughs) Torrential, torrential, horrible, horrible rainstorm. And our permit, which is a piece of paper with a number written on it on a marker, came off our post overnight. Mm-hmm. And guy pulls up to us, a ranger, park ranger, pulls up to us and says, you plan on paying the next morning? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I, you've got a computer system where we reserved weeks in advance. You can look us up. You know this site is occupied from that system. Or you can just go look at the the permit that is laying on the ground and he did he went and he went out he had a (laughs) one of those sticks with the you know the 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 reacher sticks the grabber arm things with the trigger he grabbed one of those things and he went and pulled our permit out of a puddle and put it back on i feel like i can say this because i'm a citizen of the state that this happened in but that was in the state of illinois and nothing (laughs) about that surprises me we were only about 50 miles outside of chicago too so again nothing about that interaction surprised us or phased us other than it was like yep we're home (laughs) 
just one other thing that I want to mention about state parks is that often and more and more state parks are doing this. Often you are not allowed to bring firewood in and firewood quarantines are, are a big deal. And, and they're very important to us not traveling too far with firewood, following the firewood restrictions. You can go to don'tmovefirewood.org and can get a lot of information about where you're supposed to travel with firewood and not. Sometimes some states you're not supposed to travel over so many miles with it. Some states you're not supposed to cross the state lines with it. But often in state parks, they're not allowing you to bring it into the park at all and you have to buy it from the park instead of you know the gas station that's right outside of the park or or some guy that's got a lot outside of the park where he's right. selling it a lot cheaper. So that's just something to watch out for. So those are our main positives and negatives to staying in state parks. Again, we really do love them because of the beauty, the access, the affordability. They're often a really great option for your travels. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about our five favorite state parks that we've stayed in in the last two years or so of our travels. I'm excited to walk down memory lane. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. All right, we're back and we're going to talk about our five favorite state park campgrounds. Let's kick it off with the first one. But I think we should say before we start that we have not been to every state park in every state. No. These are our five favorite out of the 19 states that we have visited. And these are mainly our favorites. These are mainly our favorite campgrounds. Yeah. There are some state parks that we've been to that have other things to do. That we may have hated the campground, but we loved the rest of the park, or we loved the campground and we hated the park. Yeah. Um, but these are the ones that gave us overall good vibes. Yeah. 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 Let's just say that. Yeah. And we're affordable. We really liked that Indiana State Park campground, but we didn't put it on this list because $43 a night we felt was just just too much for for a state park. Yeah, I'm sorry, you gotta give me sewer hookup if you want 43 <laughs> bucks a night for me. You just do. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we need sewer hookup. Not that we only. need it, but you should still have the option, I think, yeah. if you're asking anyone to pay $43 a night yeah. in your state park, you're going to need a little bit more than just electric. So the first site on our list is St. Bernard State Park in New Orleans. And when I say New or- in New Orleans, it is in New Orleans. It is. Which is really great because you're paying $25 a night to stay in a big city. It is a little bit of a drive to get to the French Quarter area and such, but not that much. I didn't think it was a bad drive no. at all. When you look at the difference between paying 25 a night to stay in the state park, which is still inside city limits, or an RV park near the French Quarter, which is asking almost $100 yeah. a night, I will take my 20-minute drive to the French Quarter and enjoy a coffee Absolutely. in route. And this was a park that had some nice things to do. Mm-hmm. We walked a trail on it, a trail that is not marked with its length. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> and we ended up being on it for a very long time. A very long time. <laughs> and saw a lot of snakes. But it was still a nice walk on a trail that was taken care of. 
Absolutely. We had a nice big site and all of the sites for the most part are very big. They have a washer and dryer. Which is rare for a state park to have. We haven't run into it since. And that was in the bathhouse. The bathhouse was nice and big and clean. Mm -hmm. There was a playground. The kids made a really great friend for the week. And let's talk about playgrounds for a second. Playgrounds have become absolutely essential to our travels to the point where we make sure that there is one when we go to a campground because it's just when you arrive sending your kids off to the playground while you set up or just having something for them to do when you're doing the cleaning and all that sort of stuff that you don't want them in the rv for is so great to have also i think it helps kids Meet one another. Yeah. Everybody meets at the playground. Everybody assembles at the playground. That's where kid life happens. So for us to go to a state park, federal park that has a playground and bonus, if we can be right up against that playground in our campsite, because then I'm more comfortable sending my youngest over to the playground without me. That's huge. So that was one of the things that we really liked about this particular state park in New Orleans. We were there for a week. And honestly, when I look back, and it's been over a year since we were there, this is one of the locations and trips that I look back on and say to you often, I'd really like to return. Yeah. So we're talking and tossing around the idea of heading back into New Orleans and the Gulf Shore area because two of our five parks on this list happened in the Gulf Shores. I should mention there are, are a couple more state parks in in and around the New Orleans area too. So if mm-hmm. you are visiting New Orleans, there are a lot of options. That's not something I can say for like Chicago. No. Illinois Beach State Park is the closest and you're still over an hour drive from downtown. Yeah, the closest you're going to get if you want something that's not private in Chicago is to stay in the Cook County yeah. Forest Preserve. Even private. There's not much There's private. Not. No, I mean, I guess McCormick Place yeah. on a slab of payment for $35 a night with no hookups, that's going to get you into yeah. downtown. So that's New Orleans, St. Bernard State Park. Great location. Great park. What's the next one on our list? The next one on our list is from New Mexico. And there are two on our list from New Mexico because we just love New Mexico State Parks so much. The best thing about New Mexico State Parks, other than the fact that they are great and in excellent shape uh, and have really nice people working at them, is that you can get this New Mexico State Parks pass that we've talked about in the past where you spend about 200 bucks for a year and that gets you free, no hookup camping or $4 a night with water and electric or just electric, depending on the park. You can also just pay $14 a night. That's the price. $14 a night. You're going to be hard pressed to find that anywhere else. Really? I mean, even I, I, I can't think of many places where we've paid less without, a major discount. No, but if someone listening knows, I would love to know about that state park because I will come visit it. So we really loved the Bottomless Lakes State Park in Roswell, New Mexico. And first of all, let me say Roswell is a really cool place to visit. And we did a whole episode on it. Roswell was my surprise stop on the entire New Mexico. We thought it was just going to be a little bit of corny looking at alien stuff. And then we found out that it is really a place of a lot of natural beauty. And a lot of that is at Bottomless Lake State Park, where they have these lakes 
They're the only natural lakes in southern New Mexico that are made out of these caves that collapsed centuries ago. And you can go look at them, and they're pretty, and there are trails that you can walk around them, and there's a scenic drive. But then there's also a big one that has a beach that you can go on in the summer when it's you know, nice and hot outside. And the campground is butted right up against that beach area. So here we have again, another state park where you have very spacious sites, a well-kept bathhouse. There was a playground. The playground is common area. So it's not actually inside the campground. It's going to be over where there's pavilions. And I assume that in the summer, it's probably very busy over there, especially with the beach area. One of the most surprising, and this was our very first state park long stay introduction to New Mexico. One of the most pleasant surprises about this campground was they have Wi-Fi. Not just Wi-Fi, the best Wi-Fi we've experienced in any of our travels at any campground, whether public or private. When you go there, you like look on your list of networks to connect to. And there's like seven different antennas that they have that you can latch on to and, and you can stream. Like we always say, don't stream on the Wi-Fi at the campgrounds because you're slowing it down for everybody here. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. You can watch your shows here and this state park, even though while we were there, there was a manhunt in the park. And we talk about that on the previous Roswell episode. We'll link to it in the show notes, so I won't go into it. Like full on manhunt with <laughs> yes. a bunch of cop cars, helicopters, like like go inside, lock your doors, do not come out. <laughs> Even though that happened while we were staying there, this park still made it onto our top five list. And not just from Jason and I, even the kids remember this park fondly and yeah. wanted it on the list. Yeah. Great park. Next park on our list is an Illinois state park. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> and we've stayed at several Illinois state parks, five or six, and uh, and we don't love most of them. We don't hate most of them, uh, but they're not as well taken care of as some of the other states that we have been to. They are cheap. They're $25 a night. But Pure Marquette is a little different. Pure Marquette is a, is a really nice, well taken care of state park with a whole lot to do, a lot of acres, a lot of room, and it is right next to St. Louis on the Illinois side. So it's a great point of departure for visiting and exploring St. Louis, which is one of our favorite cities. We love St. Louis. But the park itself has a whole lot to do as well. There's a big visitor center and a big lodge. There's a a big lodge that you can stay overnight at. And from the visitor center, we took a, we did a night hike program with a ranger who took us through the park on a trail at night. We all had headlamps on. It's like 40 of us, a bunch of kids looking for owls. It was a really amazing experience. I've never done that before. It was, it was a great experience. We were really hesitant about it when it started because it didn't get started until about 8, 30, 9 o'clock because it had to be dark. Yeah. And we didn't finish up. Until I think 1130. It was really late. It was very late. But even after we finished up the hike, they had marshmallows, drinks, hot dogs. They had a fire going and you could hang out still. And they weren't like, okay, it's 1130, go home. They really wanted you to stay and like eat the food and participate and talk with the ranger. And it was quite a wild experience. It was a very long hike. It was the first time we'd ever done a night hike as a family We had so much fun. 
This is a great park. This is another one that has a playground. It's kind of an older playground, but it still was a point for kids in the campground to come and meet. The bathhouse was decent. The one downside to the whole thing, zero cell service. Yeah, we're talking zero on Verizon. It was nothing. So that was a little difficult. We were only there for the weekend. The weird thing is it's not that remote. You know, no. it's just across the river from St. Louis. And there's like a little resort town, little sort of St. Louis getaway town nearby where there's a bunch of different sort of riverfront restaurants and still nothing. We couldn't figure out why in the world we would not have cell service here. I imagine if you had a booster, you might get signal there. Perhaps the lodge did have cell service or I should say Wi-Fi. And we were able to go up there for us. We needed it for work. We should mention as well that the lodge has a restaurant. With some really great food. We enjoyed dinner there one mm-hmm. night. So this is a great jumping off point for St. Louis. We love St. Louis. And now that we know that this park is here, this will be our go-to park every time we want to go to St. Louis. Yeah. Our next state park is in Mississippi on the Gulf Shore. And this is not far from, from the St. Bernard State Park in New Orleans, but it's a totally different experience because it is on the Gulf Shore. This park is called Buccaneer State Park. And this, what we love so much about this park is it is a private campground experience mm-hmm. at a public campground yeah. if you're looking for that sort of thing and, and being right on the Gulf Shore. Now, you can't like go out and, and swim on the beach. You can drive to a beach nearby, but there is a road between the shore because the, the highway follows the, the shoreline there. But within the park itself, there's awesome playground. There is a water park. And I'm talking a decent water park. A big water park. And it's, I mean, there's an extra fee for that, but it's, it's not very expensive. I think it was like $14. And, uh, and just a lot of sort of family fun, giant playground. Lots of communal people there having fun. That's the kind of experience you don't get at a state park often a lot of state parks it's sort of everyone's being quiet it's secluded and some state parks like this one it's like no it's the weekend there's a bunch of people here it's a party atmosphere some people hate that we hate it sometimes we also love it sometimes it just depends on what we're in the mood for we don't want it all the time but every now and then that's a really fun thing to do Yeah, and it had great access to the Gulf of Mexico. There was a nice boardwalk and beach area that you could drive down to. And just a little seashore town in Waveland, plenty of bars and restaurants you can head over, get some good seafood at. But what's nice about it is it's kind of, for us anyway, it was an in-between point between New Orleans and then heading over to Davis Bayou. And Ocean Springs. And Ocean Springs, Mississippi, which Davis Bayou is part of the Gulf Shores National Seashore. Yeah. So we really enjoyed this park. We only stayed one or two nights. We didn't get to experience it as much as we would like. But again, as we continue to talk about going back down into New Orleans, this is on our list of places. Not only do we want to go to, but we really want to spend some time at. Perhaps this time the water park will be open because for whatever reason, nobody opens anything in the South until Memorial Day weekend. There's this weird thing that goes on (laughs) down here. When we were in Vegas... It was over 90 degrees, right? And the parks that have water features don't have the water features turned on yet. 
90 degrees. <laughs> I don't, there, I know. and there's pools everywhere that aren't open yet. I don't understand it. What you guys do down here in the South and the Southwest in this sort of shoulder season between kind of hot and super hot. I can only imagine that it has, <laughs> I can only imagine it has something to do with the fact that the kids are still all in school. Maybe they're and, conserving the water yeah, too without the kids being at the parks. Yeah. It just makes no financial sense because, you know, they probably don't get a whole lot of Epperson's rolling up in there who full-time travel and are looking for a pool in March. I, I mean, mean, we're in Oklahoma city right now. It has been in the nineties all week and there's a giant water park that we keep driving past that at, that has not turned the water on yet. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it till after Memorial Day. That's when you do it. Memorial Day to Labor Day. That's all you get. But the whole Gulf Shore area is a really great place to visit in the spring and the fall when it's not too hot yet. Uh, but it's still really affordable. There's not a ton of tourists. Most people are, you know, in Florida or somewhere else. But along the along the Gulf Shore portion of the South before you get to Florida. Really wonderful experience for us. Yeah, I can't wait to return. So our final campground, we're going to end it with probably our family's number one top pick. And that would be, I know it's going to come as a surprise. It's in New Mexico. That is going to be City of Rocks Campground. Yeah, City of Rocks State Park. We talked about it a decent amount on other episodes. We won't go entirely into it but city of rocks now you're not going to get there are only six i think electric sites yeah we picked the hardest park to actually get a reservation at as being our favorite if you're if you're okay with camping without hookups or what you can do is camp in one of the no hookup sites and wait for one to open in the in the sort of walk-in sites for electric the but the no hookup sites the primitive sites are the nicest sites at this park because they are within these giant rock formations. So your campsite is actually like backed in to a giant rock formation. You can't see anyone on either side of you. You can have a giant campfire that lights up all the rocks and you can go in and play hide and seek through them. It's a really cool place where there's not going to be a lot of people and you can have a lot of fun. Yeah. And while there wasn't a playground structure Nature itself with those rocks, that was the playground. And I think that's why it made such an impact on the kids. Really wonderful visitor center with a nice, very simple sort of overview of what the park is. What I also loved in there was they had a book exchange, take a book, leave a book. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a wonderful idea. They even had it for DVDs. Take a DVD, leave a DVD, or borrow it for the night, but bring it back after you've watched it. What a nice kind of community building sense of community for the campground the bathhouse very clean very new just an overall really great park several hiking access points right from the park i really enjoyed running through this park and on those trails some of my favorite moments and it was a good spot to be to visit silver city new mexico Mm -hmm. and to drive even further into the gila wilderness and the gila cliff dwellings so we really loved it. We had a lot of fun. Obviously, we mentioned over and over how much we love New Mexico state parks. Those are our top state parks. If you have a top state park that you want to mention, send us an email. Or when we release this episode and and put it on Facebook or Twitter, reply to it and mention what your favorite state parks that you visited are. Or go into our Facebook group, the RV Miles 
travel forum and tell everybody there what your favorite state park is. Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought up that group because I meant to mention earlier that I have a recent post in there where we're seeking some suggestions from listeners. What would you guys like us to talk about? Our travels are going to slow down a little bit for the next couple months. We're doing a long stint here in Oklahoma. We're kind of the opposite of everybody else. We travel heavily in the off season and then during the summer we slow down a bit. We do. And so from Oklahoma, we're headed to see my parents in Kansas City. And we love a 4th of July holiday in the Kansas City area. So we're going to stay put through the 4th. We are due to visit Jason's family in Illinois. We're due to head up to Chicago. So we have some things that we need to accomplish that's going to slow our travels down. So we want to take this opportunity to really hit some topics that are of interest to you. So if you haven't joined the RV Miles Facebook group, please come and do that. And then just let us know what you're interested in having us chat about. All right, let's wrap this episode up with our brain teaser for the week. Let's do it. You're in a mansion and the power is out, but the moon is bright enough for you to see. You're in front of a green door and a red door. Pick one. Doesn't matter which one. Now you see a purple door and an orange door. Pick one. Again, it doesn't matter. Now you see a door with a golden handle and a door with a silver handle. Pick one. You finally come to some signs on three doors. One says, death from drowning. Another one says, death from machine guns. And the last one says, death from electric chair. Then you see a big sign off to the side that says, or stay in the mansion and starve to death. What do you choose and still live? Uh, well, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to stay in the mansion and starve to death. That's probably not a good idea. Really? Well, I don't know. The electric chair, a machine gun and drowning doesn't exactly sound so great. (laughs) I'm sorry. I picked the worst of the four. All right. We'll have the answer to that and so much more on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. Thanks so much for joining us this week. If you're enjoying the podcast, we would love a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, formerly iTunes. We would also love a review. Or if you have any suggestions, you know you can reach us over at editor at rvmiles.com. But until next week, thanks so much for joining us, folks. And keep logging those RV Miles. Bye-bye, everybody.